Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you stopped trusting God? And I think a lot of us will say, well, no, 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 I always, I always trust God. But you know, in reality, I think this is, this is sort of where the battle's fought. This is whether we either surrendered the Holy Spirit or not on a moment-by-moment basis in trusting God. Because as, as I was thinking of this week, working through the scriptures that we're going to be looking at today, that, you know, when it comes to the big things, uh, let me back up, lots of times people... Some people struggle with the big things, trusting God in the big things. Now, I got to tell you, for the most part, that's not my struggle. It seemed like years ago, a lot of those things got settled, trusting God in the big things. Um, but when it comes to moment by moment, sometimes I have a choice in front of me, and you guys know this, like I have a choice in front of me. And it's not this terrible big thing, but it's, you know what, here's really what's wise. Here's really what I ought to do. Here's what I, you know, I know. And that's the spirit, you know, makes that clear to me. And I choose instead to do this. I haven't trusted God, have I? I'm thinking that somehow my way is going to be better. Now, just on the face of it. Okay, let me just ask you. Honest, can you just be open with me here? How many of you ever have known what, you, what would seem to be right and you decide, no, I think this would be better? Okay, good. I'm not alone. I was worried there for a minute. Um, how illogical is that thought? Well, you know, God knows best about most things, but I know best about this. Thanks, God. I'm all set. Foolishness, isn't it? And yet, we can do that. And the idea is if we live that way, we can end up with a pattern of living that uh, where we stop trusting God in some bigger ways. And it becomes a habit of life, living our own way instead of being surrendered to the Holy Spirit as he leads us along in the things that are good and right. Trusting him in those things. I mean, think, have you ever had a time when you knew that the right thing to do was to keep your mouth shut? But that's okay. I'm gonna, not going to trust God here. I'm going to say it. Or the other way around. Have you been in a situation where you knew you ought to say something? Maybe share the gospel, but you didn't. You didn't trust God. So this idea of trusting God is crucial in our lives as Christians. In fact, if we go uh, look, think about what uh, the uh, Holy Spirit prompted the author of Hebrews to write when he says, for without faith, it's what? It's impossible to please God. And this God desires us to trust him. Because we could put it, without trusting God, it's impossible to please him. All right, so this issue really, really matters. And not only does it matter for what's right, but it's going to matter for its effect in our lives. And it's going to matter for, for to whatever extent we're going to be able to glorify God or not. So this idea of I will trust him. Let's take our Bibles and go to Psalm chapter 40. We actually looked at the first few verses of this a few weeks ago. We didn't uh, dwell on it, but we did refer to it. 
So Psalm 40 here, the, uh, David is talking about his life and what's going on. And the first three verses, uh, have you ever watched a movie where the movie starts off and it's, it's, this is happening, that's going on, and you're trying to figure out what's going on, and then all of a sudden it fades and, it's, and, it's, and it comes up and says, 10 years earlier, <laughs> you know, or, or last week, or whatever it was, right? Um, and that's kind of the way this psalm feels to me. The first three verses are that lead part and then we get this, okay, let's go back and see how do we get to this place, all right? So let's read along. I waited patiently for the Lord. <laughs> I, I, I'm not supposed to comment on all this as I read it, but still. Um, patience. Are you guys getting impatient with what I'm gonna say next? <laughs> All right, so I, I, I won't comment. I, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and we'll trust in the Lord. So this is David's story. You know, it's, it's the, the big overarching summary of the whole thing. Now he's going to get into how do we get to live this way? What do we need to understand? How do we experience it? And verse four, at the very beginning, it sets up the rest of it. Blessed is that man who makes the Lord his trust. Blessed is that woman who makes the Lord his trust. Blessed is that young person who makes the Lord his trust, okay, and does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. And then he speaks to God, many, O Lord, my God, are your wonderful works which you have done, and your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, and my ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. Then I said, Behold, I come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. And just let me stop for a moment. I want you to see that David all of a sudden, it's like he sees himself in the scriptures. This is me, is what he's saying. He's, he's hearing all this. That's what he's saying. So you, you get that? All of a sudden, then I said, Wait, behold, I come. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. By the way, is this written about you? Is this book written about you? In some sense it is, right? It's written about God and his plans and what he's doing, but it talks about you in here all the time. If you didn't know that, you can be excited today. Go home and tell everybody, hey, I found out I'm in the Bible. Okay. Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do your will, oh my God. And your law is within my heart. I have proclaimed the good news of righteousness in the great assembly. Indeed, I do not restrain my lips. O oh Lord, you yourself know. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. Again, all these things, if we were breaking it down, we'd say the only way he can do this is by trusting God. Do not withhold your tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me. 
for innumerable evils have surrounded me. And then he doesn't say this, but it's not the least of which is my iniquities have overtaken me. My sinful tendencies, my bad choices, my iniquities have overtaken me so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head, therefore my heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be ashamed and brought to mutual confusion who seek to destroy my life. Let them be driven backward and brought to dishonor who wish me evil. Let them be confounded because of their shame who say to me, Aha! aha. Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let such as love your salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. But I am poor and needy. Yet the Lord thinks upon me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. So there, verse 70, I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me. Isn't that an amazing thing? That the Lord cares about us. Anyway. So those verses from four, blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. And then he goes on and talks about it. And so um, we're going to go very quickly through some things. Then get down to back to those first three verses and focus in on them. But I want you to see that in this passage of scripture, there are 10 ways that this, that David's trust is expressed. We see how it is expressed, and you can read them along. He humbles himself before the Lord. That's his expression of I'm trusting you. He recognizes and deeply values the Lord's goodness. He pursues a growing relationship with the Lord, and he fills his heart with God's word so he can know and do God's will. He is open about his relationship with the Lord and readily shares it. He depends on God's love and truth to protect him. He has no hopes of succeeding if left to himself. And he looks to the Lord to protect and free him from everything that works against him living for the Lord. He points to the Lord as the source of his successes. And he is continually aware of his desperate need of the Lord and is working in his life. So these are how David expresses and shows his trust for the Lord. And these attitudes and things that are connected with trusting the Lord. And then he said what? Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, right? So what are those blessings? We see uh, 10 blessings in this passage as well. So let's go through those. First of all, he knows that God works in his life in wonderful ways. And I guarantee you, when you start, maybe you already are, but when you become conscious of it, and trust the Lord with your life, and you get those decisions and you trust him, you begin to understand that God is at work in your life in amazing ways because you are trusting him. He has an assurance of God's good intentions toward him. He can, that's a blessing, isn't it? All right? He can stay focused on what's most important because God enables him to hear his voice. He has a sense of God-given purpose in life. 
He finds pleasure in doing what God wants. This is stop. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? This is the way life gets as you trust the Lord. When you make those decisions each, every point in time and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you, and you do, you live your life the way he says, you start to experience life this way. Verse 6. Not enough for six, number six. He has an awareness that God protects him through his loving kindness and the truth. He has confidence that he can call on God in times of need. And he knows that God will deal with the people and circumstances that work against him. And he experiences joy in magnifying the Lord in his life. And he is confident that even in his mess, I am poor and needy that the Lord cares about him and works in his life. What great blessings. Now, I know I went through that pretty fast and maybe you need to chew on it. You can go back and read this psalm this week. But what I want to do now is let's go back and look at the, the, the first verses. We're going back to this, you know, how it started. This is like that movie. We started, now we had the explanation. Now we go back to that point. And there's four, four areas, four things that, that I want to look at here when it comes to our decision to say, I will trust the Lord. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. What do you have to do? Wait. There's a time factor here when it comes to trusting the Lord. And that's, he said, I had to wait. Okay, and he did wait, right? So time, time matters. He also brought me up out of a, what's the next word? You guys, did I already put you to sleep? Let's try that again. He also brought, brought me up out of a horrible pit. Not just an inconvenient one, but a horrible one. Out of the miry clay. Um, the other day when uh, we took our grandson disc golfing and, and with the, um, the lack of rain we've had, the pond that's there is way low. And so he managed to throw a disc out there in the water on the first throw. And we went out, to, I went to see if I get it. So I have, I'm trying to walk out on the mud out to where the water is. And next thing I know, I'm wondering if I'm going to come back with my shoes. <laughs> you ever done that, right? <laughs> anyway. So this is what he's talking about. So a horrible pit, miry clay. This, this was not easy. This was hard. This was difficult. The situation he was in was a very hard, very difficult circumstance. So when it comes to trusting the Lord, we've got to understand that there's a time thing. And then there's also a difficult, difficulty aspect of it, a hardship of it. And he says, he has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. And this is the idea of being seen. People seeing. And in this idea, this is a good thing, right? They can see that you've trusted God and, and it'll draw them to him. That's a good thing. But we also know that when someone is visible, what if they don't trust God? How does that look? How does that affect us? And so the idea of seeing people, how other people respond affects us when, I, when we're facing a decision to trust God or not. And then maybe even bigger, he's really talking about himself being seen. And so there's the issue of what do I look like here? And how does that affect my decision 
to trust the Lord. So those four things we want to take some time and look at here. So the commitment that we need to make is a commitment to trust the Lord. I will trust him. Okay, so here's what we're going to say. It's by God's enabling grace, I will trust him. All right, would you say that with me? Read that with me. By God's enabling grace, I will trust him. Okay? We aren't able to do it on our own. This is the whole thing, David, it's the whole idea of trusting. God, I need you. I, you, know, you need to work in my life. And, but he was trusting as he did that. So by God's enabling grace, I will trust him. And then we said there's a time issue here. Okay? So by God's enabling grace, I will trust him no matter how long the hardship lasts. Hmm. That's a pretty big statement if you really think about it, right? No matter how, what was the rest of your life? By the way, I think that, uh, how long do we want our hardships to be? Shorter, right? Shorter than they usually are. That's how long we want them to be. But a decision to trust God says, no, I'm going to trust you no matter how long. If this is the rest of my life. Now, that might kind of seem like a pretty bold statement to make. I can do this. I'm go- no, what do we say right in the beginning? By God's enabling grace. Because on my own, there's absolutely no way I can commit. I'm going to trust God and, and then be able to do it however long it takes. No, he's going to enable me. But I need to decide to. Okay no matter how long a hardship lasts. And so I said, we like these hardships to be shorter, but it's interesting if we go to the book of Jeremiah, which uh, you know, a lot of you probably have a plaque someplace with these verses on the talk where God says, hey, I, you know, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and to bless you, and I have these plans for you in your life. Is that encouraging to know that? Is it? Yeah. Absolutely it is. And it isn't really quite written like this, but it seems he, he says in the same passage, oh, by the way, you're going to be here in captivity for 70 years. In fact, uh, most of you are gone and, and your kids are left. See, that's how long we need to trust God to the end. Uh, I mean, the Psalms are full of... of Anxious thoughts by David and others who wrote anxious thoughts of saying, God, where are you? Right? How long is this going to go on? How long are you going to? And it's, it's full of those kinds of thoughts and talking to God. So it's natural that we feel that way. But we have to make a decision. That, yeah, I do feel that way. But you know what? I am going to keep trusting him. And, and this is the decision that you need to make. Well, first of all, in the beginning, someplace. You, need to, you know, last week we talked about making a decision to settle once and for all that, Lord, I belong to you and I'm yours. And we talked that we should try to make a once and for all decision about that. Well, that's the same way here, this idea of trusting the Lord. It goes along with that. Make this once and for all decision. I am going to trust you, Lord. And if you haven't already made that, now's the time. Okay, now is the time. And then we keep remembering this and keep doing our best to live this out day by day, moment by moment, sometimes, if necessary. We have to come to understand that, um, I mean, think of this. So in Jeremiah 29, when he says, I have a plan for you, good plans. I'm going to accomplish things through you that matter. 
going to make a difference in your life and with your life. But you got to go with me on the time. You got to go with me on the timing. You can't say, well, I'll do this for a year and then I'm out of here. Uh, that, that goes back into to James chapter 1, the not having a faith that's back and forth. No, we're settling this issue. And so we want to understand this. We want to make this, uh, have this understanding that the psalmist has in Psalm 31 when he says, but as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. What? My times are in your hand. Your timing in my life. And I would venture to say that probably all of us here today have had things happen in our life, hardships, difficulties, that still lingers. Right? It's still kind of stalking you a little bit. It haunts you from time to time. We have those things. And you know what? If you let it, that will cause you to do what? Trust in the Lord. I have to. Because this is going on and on and on. I have to trust God. I will trust you. There is no other solution here. God, my times are in your hand. I trust you with how long this hardship is. That's a big commitment. But I challenge you to make it. That's because what? Blessed is the person who does what? Puts his trust in the Lord. But it's long. Blessed is the person who puts his trust in the Lord. All right. So the second truth, this idea of hardship and the difficulty itself. So by God's enabling grace, I will trust him no matter how difficult or costly it gets. That's another big statement, isn't it? God, doesn't matter how hard it gets. I'm going with you. I'm going to trust you. And then it gets harder. I don't want to keep picking on Stephen, but has it gotten harder, Stephen? Have you experienced that? He puts his trust in God, and then it gets harder. All right. So let's, let's think about this for just a little bit. I think we need to expect life to be hard just by itself. <laughs> you know, there's three kinds of troubles you can expect in life. One is the kind of trouble that comes because we just live in a broken, sin-cursed world, right? Things are going to break, including our bodies. We're going to get sick. People are going to die. I mean, this is the world we live in, right? You don't get, oh, I got saved and now I live in a different world. No, you get saved and live in the same world, okay? And you need to choose to trust God in it, okay? The second kinds of hardships that you, you are going to face are the hardships that come when you don't trust the Lord. When you do your own thing, you turn away from the Lord and you don't trust his ways. By the way, his ways, as for God, his ways are perfect, is what David said. But so when we disregard that, what can we expect to experience in life? I mean, seriously. Hardship, right? Difficulties. When I, when I don't do what God says, life, it might seem good at the moment, but it's not going to end up good. You know? Uh, it's not going to work the way that you might be hoping it would. So, the broken, sin, cursed world kinds of troubles, then there's the kind of troubles that come because you are not trusting God. And then the third kind of troubles are the kind that come because you are trusting God. <laughs> what do you mean? 
Well, when we trust God and we step out in faith and we live for him, he allows us to come into troubles often. He allows us to experience hardship because he's on a mission with us in our lives. There's things that he wants to accomplish through our lives and, and allowing us to go through hardships and difficulties is part of that. I would venture to say that the things that you have learned in life that, and maybe they aren't even right things, but the things that you have learned in life that are most nailed down inside of you and, and guide you are things that you learned when things were going badly, when things were hard. And like I said, it may not even be a right response. You may have learned, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna open my life up to anybody because I've been hurt too many times and that's nailed it, but where did you learn that? In hardship. Well, guess what? The fact that God is at work in our lives, we also learn through hardship. When we're making that decision that I will trust you no matter how hard it gets, no matter how costly it gets. Now think, Jesus said, and we actually had a whole sermon on this verse earlier this year, but Jesus said, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. Statement of fact? Question, is that a statement of fact? Have you experienced the truth of that statement? Okay, yes. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Hey, maybe I should trust him then. Okay. And then the apostle Paul says, um, when, when life was so hard, so difficult, um, I don't know, maybe I'm missing a slide here. I don't see it. Maybe I didn't put it in. That's right. Just listen here. The Apostle Paul was in uh, dire straits, didn't know if they were going to survive it. Sounds like when he talks about that he was ready to give up on life. That's the way he talks. He talks about being crushed. And he says this. He says, but we had this sentence of death, this overwhelming difficulties and hardships in our lives. We had this in our lives so that we would learn to trust in God who raises the dead. And he says, who has delivered us in the past and he's delivering us now and he, we trust that he will deliver us in the future. But you know, the only way you can survive those things, and I don't necessarily mean physically, but survive those things in life is to trust in the Lord. When, when it seems harder than you can possibly imagine, harder than you can even possibly stand up under, time to trust God. Trust God, trust God. But this is so, trust God. I don't know if you remember what Job said. Remember all the bad stuff that happened to Job? If you don't know what that is, ask me afterwards, I'll tell you. All sorts of bad things happened to Job. God allowed them. God could have stopped them. God chose not to stop them and he's because he's teaching Job things and he's teaching us things through it all. And Job's struggling with this because along the way, Job's saying, you know, this, I can't think of anything I've done to deserve this. He was right. But it's called life. So he's saying this, and I'm going to think God, but, it, but he, then he says in the middle, of this, he, he stops and he says, you know, but even if God kills me, I will trust him. 
That's the kind of trust we're talking about. I, I may not understand, and, and it doesn't go the way I want, and I, all that, but you know what? I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust him. I want you to think about this for just a minute. What's the option if you decide you're not going to trust God anymore? What's the options? You're going to trust yourself? Sometimes we do, and how's that work for you in the long run? You're going to trust somebody else besides God? That's a scary thought. And it reminds me of Jesus, the disciples. Jesus is talking to this big crowd, and he's telling them how the kind of relationship they have to have with him. He says it has to be so close. It's like you, you eat my body and you drink my blood. It's like we got to be in this together. And it says that uh, some people said, wow, this is hard. This is a tough thing, he's saying. And it said many of them turned away and followed him no more. Because it was hard. And so Jesus turns to his disciples, the 12, and says, so are you also going to go away? And Peter, when Peter isn't getting himself in trouble, he often says amazing things. Okay? And he says to the Lord, he says, uh, you know, you know, we believe that you're the Christ. Or something. But he said, he, here's where he said, he said, where would we go? I mean, yeah, it's hard being with you, but I think it's way better than any other choice. Where, you know, this idea of no matter how difficult, no matter how costly it gets, and, uh, you know, good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> That's the broken, sin-cursed world we're talking about, okay? All right. So, by God's enabling grace, I will trust him no matter how long a hardship takes, and I'll, I'm going to trust him no matter how uh, difficult or costly it gets. I mean, Romans 8, 28 and 29. You guys like that verse? You like verse Romans 8, 28? But we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purposes. So those of us who have been called, that means we've come to Christ, we've, we've, we've responded in faith, we've been saved, we belong to him, he has plans for us, so he's called us those plans. And then he goes on, he, he, he describes what this includes. And when, I mean, what is that good? What is the good he's talking about? Let me put some words in there and let's see if we think they're right. You know, but we know that all things work together for the comfort and ease of those who are called. No? No. He says all things work together for good, and that good comes a little bit later, and he says that we would be conformed to the image of his son, that we would become more and more like Jesus. And so when God is allowing the suffering to continue, when God is allowing the suffering to get really hard, as you trust him, he is at work in your life making you more and more like Jesus. And there's no better way to be than like that. Okay? All right. The third one is this. By God's enabling grace, I will trust him no matter how badly someone else messes up. Remember, we've talked about this. You can see this, this, whether a person's trusting God or not and how it's working in their lives. Um, 
Anybody had someone in your life who you looked up to, whether you were really close or not, but someone you really looked up to and they were encouragement to you? What was the illustration, Tim, that we talked about last time? Oh, I know what it is. So remember last time that happened? Anybody? Yeah, it happened this summer. Come on. The uh, point is when the screen does that, here's your lesson. Is that all the things in life will move and change on you, but the truth remains the same. That didn't move at all, did it? Okay, all right. Take care of that sidetrack. How many of you had someone that you really looked up to and maybe they were an encouragement to you and helped you to maybe to trust God yourself and live and then they blew it in a major, major way? Yeah, I mean, you found out that they were involved in some deep sin that nobody knew about or, or all of a sudden they, they really you know, let you down, act different towards whatever and, and it messes you up. Anybody ever experienced that? I, and I had someone who was, you know, like a, uh, in some sense a father to me, a mentor to me and all that, and then all of a sudden, boom. And you know what happens to people? A lot of people, I don't know if it actually is, what, but it seems like they lose their faith. They've been let down by somebody they didn't expect to be let down by. And they say, well, I can't trust God. I you know, people, it isn't, they, they start to believe all sorts of, of wrong things there. Um, but we have to trust God no matter, no matter how badly someone else messes up. So let me ask you, did that someone else save you? Did that someone else save you? No, they didn't. Did that someone else actually work in your heart and make a difference? No. God may have used them, right? But it's God who worked in your heart. And so it's, it, we can't let what someone else does. Now, when, when someone else, I mean, let me just give you an example for me. Um, when I got ordained, back in two, the year 2000, I think it was, they had a council. They always have a council of preachers who come in and they, they spend time with you asking you questions and making sure that you're doctrinally sound. And, and then they make a recommendation to the church that the church ordain you. And, and then, you know, it's just kind of a tradition. Often they give you a Bible and, and they will sign it, you know. And it's really cool. And, and let me think. One, two, three. I, I think I had seven preachers sign it and four of those are no longer in the ministry because of bad choices. I mean, that's sad, isn't it? But so, I should say, what's the hope for me? I'm just gonna give up. No, see, they didn't save me, they didn't call me to the ministry, God did. And so it's him that I need to trust. And it's always hard when someone fails you but someone else's failure or hypocrisy is never a reason to stop trusting the Lord. Now, stop trusting some people? Yeah. I've had some people in my life that, that uh, I feel have done me wrong. They, I've been hurt by it. God has put it in my heart and able me to forgive them. I've forgiven them. I wish God's best for them in their lives. But I don't trust them. You understand what I mean? 
In other words, if, if it came around and all of a sudden I need to, I'm not going to do that unless God makes it abundantly clear that you need to trust them. Okay? So I understand not trusting someone else, but don't stop trusting God. Keep trusting God for those things. Um, it just doesn't make sense to stop trusting the Lord. People will fail you. People will let you down, right? The Lord will never fail you. He will never let you down. And if he is allowing troubles and difficulties in your life, he has a good purpose for allowing it. Okay? And so think, but the author of Hebrews said, looking unto Jesus. He's the what? The author? The one who started us on this path of believing him? And he is the finisher. He's going to finish it. Okay, so don't let someone else's failure turn you away from trusting God. You, in fact, it's, it's all the more reason for you to be trusting God. Now, this fourth one is, yeah, i just chewing on it. It's very, very real to me. No, by God's enabling grace, I will trust him no matter how badly I mess up. Now, I've talked to people over the years who said, well, I tried to live the Christian life and it just didn't work. I kept, I couldn't overcome this or that. And yeah, that's hard. I get that. But the choice to not trust the Lord is not the right decision. It's not a logical decision even. Uh, you know, my failures often make me feel like giving up. I don't know if anybody else feels that way. It's my failures that... I notice a lot more than anybody else's. Uh, I have been my greatest discouragement in life. And don't misunderstand it. I'm not down all the time. There are many wonderful things in my life, as, as David says, trusting the Lord. But nonetheless, along the way, I've let myself down. And then in those ways, I've let other people down, Sometimes, whether they know it or not, because I haven't been what I should be or haven't done what I should do. Um, But ultimately, my trust is in the Lord, not in me. Man, you've got to arrive at that conclusion to get saved, don't you? I can't save myself. I've already blown it, and I'm, I keep blowing it from time to time. I, hopefully I'm getting better, but man, it just it's, I can't save myself. I must trust the Lord. And so think about this. How many of your failures did Jesus know about before you were born? All of them. He knows about the failures that you haven't yet failed yet. That's why he came, wasn't it? He came to redeem you from that and to change the, your, your eternal destiny and to change the course of your life here and now in ways that not only bless you, but bring tremendous honor to him. And by the way, you have to receive Christ as Savior for these things we're talking about today for you to be able to experience them. And so that's where you recognize that, yeah, I am, I have blown it, I still blow it, I likely will blow it. Jesus died for me. He died for me in the penalty for those sins and rose again. And so I'm trusting him. I will put my trust in him to provide forgiveness of my sins and eternal life. So that is the gospel. But anyway, in my life, um, I still feel the reality of what the Apostle Paul described. And you probably do too. Let's look. He says this. 
For I know that in me that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. This, go to the next verse. I find in a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. I look at some of you and I, I sometimes I feel like, ah, you don't experience that. But my guess is that you do. Um, that here we are, we want to do it, we've been saved, we've been changed, we're making decisions to trust God, we're going to do all this, and yet there's something lurking in the background. There's a pull towards something that isn't right, and it will be as long as we live in this sin-cursed world. Thankfully, when the Lord returns for us, either we die and he takes us to be with him, or he returns and we go with everybody to be with him, that'll be gone. But for now, it's a reality in our lives. But should I give up because I mess up? Think about it. Should you give up because you mess up? Let's turn around and we say to you, don't give up just because you mess up. Don't. You can never save yourself to begin with. And you, you know, if nothing else, your mess up says, wow, I need, I really need to trust God. That's what I need to do instead of this. And, and like I said, so when I mess up, what it does prove is that I desperately need to keep trusting the Lord. That's what I need to keep doing. Because um, left to myself, I will never make it as a Christian. I... I, I keep trusting the Lord despite my own failings. That's what you need to do too. Uh, because of this truth, well, let me just stop in this minute. When I said, you know, you can't do it on your own, you can't make this work on your own, think about in Revelation, I think it's either in four or five, I don't remember, but it's the throne room of heaven. Okay, the church is now in heaven with the Lord and, and the representatives of God's people for all ages, uh, uh, they're 24 elders, 12 representing the Jewish people and who believed, and then the 12 representing the church. And, and it says this, that as our representatives, they're praising God, and, and, and uh, what they do is, they, it says, they take their crowns, which if you, if you go look at another place in Scripture, what are the crowns? Those are the rewards that we get for having served the Lord. It says they take their crowns, and then they... Take them off and give them to Jesus. Now, I don't know what happens after. I don't know if he gives them back or not. I don't know, but the, there's something very powerfully symbolic here, and that's that, yes, we have these crowns, we did these things, we have rewards, but you know, there's no way we could have ever received these things if you had not worked in our lives, if you had not done those things for us that we could never do. A recognition that we messed it up repeatedly, but he faithfully kept working in our lives. So I keep trusting the Lord despite my failings because of, of this, this truth in two verses. Philippians 1.6. It says, being confident that he who has begun a good work in you will what? Completed it. Yeah, but you don't know how many times I've messed up. Well, yeah, but what God says is true. Right? You've got to put the truth on the right side of the butt. Talked about that, right? 
Well, I know God says he's going to complete it in me, but I have messed up so many times. No, no, wrong mistake. We want to say, I have messed up so many times, but God is going to complete this in my life. He's going to. And then in 1 Thessalonians, it's he who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. How many times can you mess up before the Lord says, that's enough, done with you? Can you mess up that many times? Can you? So you think, I don't know. No, you can't. He's going to be faithful and do what he says he's going to do in your life. And that's why the call keeps coming. God, I trust you. So David says, man, you've done so many wonderful things in my life. And even though I'm poor and needy and I mess up, you, you think about me. You, you care about me. You work in my life. So no matter how badly I mess up, man, there's nothing else. Every time I mess up, a reminder. Trust in the Lord, Walt. You messed up because you didn't trust in him. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. And there's some good news here because of this. What did he say? When we keep working on us, when we make this commitment to trust in him, and when we keep working at it, and when we fail, we, we trust again, and all these things. Blessed is the person, the one, who puts his trust in the Lord. God. Do you think God's going to let that one fail? No way. His reputation on the line. He's not going to let that fail. You will be blessed with the blessings that God says are blessings. You may have to change your thinking about what's a blessing. But God will absolutely keep that statement. And some good news here then. When I trust God this way, and when you trust God this way, others who see me cannot help but see him and his faithfulness. Because, you know, if you're, if you're around me and we talk and we end up talking about things that matter in life, at some point you're going to hear how, that, that I've had to trust God and he's worked. You're going to see it. You're going to hear it. You're going to experience it. From a, and isn't that what he said there in the beginning of the psalm? God has put a new song in my mouth. Many will see it and fear and trust in the Lord because of what they see in me and what they see in you. But we have to be living that life of trust, right? I will trust you, Lord. So I just want to encourage you today. You make a decision today, if you haven't already, once and for all, I'm going to trust you, Lord. And then every day you revisit that. Sometimes moment by moment you revisit it. I will trust in you. When you fail, you revisit it. I'm going to trust in you. And you begin living your life this way or you keep living your life this way or you live your life more this way, okay, that God is going to use it in your life to make him known. And while that may not sound exciting at the moment, I guarantee you when you get to heaven, it'll be the most exciting thing that ever happened to you. Is that God was known through you. Father, we come to you and we thank you for your working in our lives. And we, I pray, Lord, that we would trust you. Um, challenge us in those areas, Lord, where we don't even see that we're not trusting you. Help us to see it. Give us the perspective that we need. And um, I pray, Lord, we'll go forth from here 
pondering this and, and thinking about it and making decisions to trust you all along the way. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.